I have a friend. Um, in fact, I got a couple friends in the Olympics. One of them, this is her first Olympics. And my, my wife said to me the other night, just a very scary thing. She said, wait a minute. Like if, if her parents can't be there, who's protecting her? Well, broader question is who's actually protecting our Olympians in a country run by the Chinese Communist Party with a, uh, you know, concentration camp next door. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. I have a couple friends, one of them a younger friend who is competing in the Olympics. I guess I could say her name, Corey, Corey Stoddard, Corinne Stoddard. Go win the gold! Joy Mantia, another guy we got to know, um... Really enormously amazing. Well, in fact, Brittany Bow. Wow. Um, wait, I know other people. I know other folks in the Olympics on the skating team. Oh, my goodness. Um, Brittany Bow, what an incredible mentor to young women. Joey Mantia, legend um, in the world of speed skating on wheels, which is actually a f- more fun sport, in my judgment. Huge worldwide. What was he? 29-time world champ, um, now seeking his first medal in the Olympics. Um, went went to, to ice skating, oh, I don't know, six years ago and started to, you know, go win civils or silvers and, and world championships and makes the Olympic team. Um, and then our friend Corey started in her first Olympics. And we're just talking, my wife and I, the other day about Corey being in the Olympics. And we all kind of knew Corey was going to be in the Olympics. She was just so phenomenally hardworking and talented and and just focused and um, and and just a hard worker, brutal competitor, fun girl, woman, I should say now. Um, and then my wife said, so who's protecting her? And yeah, it's kind of spooky because the Chinese Communist Party runs a country. We've seen countries like this before, and there's a biblical history of countries like this where they manufacture themselves as gods. It sort of reminds me of the Roman Empire in a way, and they're not claiming divinity. They just act like they have it. And then there's a whole thing about having the concentration camps next door. And I really appreciate the media focusing and really, really holding the Chinese Communist Party to task by showing the concentration camp on a daily basis and interviewing the Uyghurs and oh wait no that's not they're not doing any of that oh that's right they're gonna let them skate I've never been to China though and one of the advantages of having a radio show for years is you get to meet really cool people who have been to China in the craziest ways who've done things that that normal people don't do a friend of mine is with me Mike O'Rourke is a retired Green Beret Special Forces uh, he has spent a ton of time in China on uh, on doing things he probably can't talk about. And there's the old joke, because then he'd have to kill me. And um, he's uh, he runs AOC security, helping people stay safe and companies stay safe. Mike, welcome to the Todd Herman Show. Good to be talking with you again, Todd. Good to be talking to you in your undisclosed location down in a deep, deep, deep bunker. And I can't even tell what planet you're on. Um, let me start with this about China. Uh, I, I want to focus on what I think is a positive. When you've been to China, what has been your experience with the, the people of China? Uh, my experience has been very positive. 
most of my time has been in their uh, uh, special administrative regions like uh, Hong Kong and Macau. And the, the Chinese people are great. Um, the food's wonderful, um, especially in Hong Kong. You know, they're, they're um, freedom-loving, um, which is, you know, kind of sad what's been going on there now. I was over there during the height of the, uh, of the uh, pro-democracy protest in uh, 2019 and actually got to witness some of this firsthand. And, uh, you know, people walking, uh, walking the streets, carrying American flags, you know, trying to garner American support. Um, when I go places, I talk to people, um, I talk to taxi drivers, um, people working in restaurants and it's just, a you know, incredible people, just like you find, you know, pretty much anywhere in the world. And, uh, like, and like a lot of places in the world, it's really the government that lets them down. Yeah. And, and the Chinese communist party, um, as a government, um, let me just ask a broad question and let's, let's dial down in on the Olympics because our, our athletes are being spied on our country's being spied on. I, I'm sure there's all sorts of ops going, um, to try to help the Chinese communist party. And I want to understand what those ops might be. There's companies there and, and China loves to seal our IP. Let's talk about that. But let me just ask on, on a broad basis, uh, how concerned are you about China as a geopolitical foe of the United States, particularly? now that we know that they can deliver um, what um, they can deliver an EMP blast from a, a supersonic or sub supersonic missile to get to us in how short a time? I mean, I mean, how concerned are you about the Chinese Communist Party's a geopolitical foe? Um, I think there are number one threat on the planet. Um, and you, you mentioned the IP, the, the, the FBI um, places uh, intellectual property theft and in particular, China has their number two concern behind terrorism. So, and uh, China's a prevalence. Uh, they're, they're they're going after data is just uh, pervasive. Um, I, I refer to the upcoming games as the Beijing Winter Surveillance Games. Yeah. I want to talk about that as one of the thing I want to get to before we dive straight into that. And that is, the Chinese Communist Party, and I've talked to a, a colleague of yours and a, a mutual friend, Brian Suits, um, who filled in for me on radio and in self, a very talented podcaster, very funny man, uh, served our country like you did, Mike. Um, he makes note of the fact that China also said that they want to be the world's preeminent experts in um, chemical and biological warfare. Um, and as someone who served our country in, in combat situations, I imagine that doesn't give you the warm fuzzies. No, it doesn't. Not only do they want to be number one in that, they actually want to be the world's number one uh, economic power and military superpower. Yeah. And they are uh, pursuing that goal very aggressively. Yeah. Well, at least we've got Joe Biden. That's, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll leave the uh, I'll, I'll leave the political commentary uh, to you, my brother. All right. Well, I just you know because you know he can put a call in to to China and and talk to his good friends, and they can say, "Oh, was Hunter going to send back the millions of dollars, and were you going to give back the thirty four million? And and Joe's probably doesn't have the thirty four million to give back, but then again, I'm sure it'll all work out well because they're Jen Psaki and you got your Cami Harris. So you call this the spy games. Um, why is that? And what would China be seeking from having our, um, our athletes and our coaches and, and the media over there? Well, one of the things that, uh, or one thing that everyone going to the games is required to do 
athletes, coaches, I think anyone attending, is to download the uh, the official uh, Chinese Olympics app. It's called uh, my it's called my 2022, and it is still available oh. on. Uh, and, and anyone who can download it, you can go to uh, the uh, Google Play Store. You can go to the App Store and download it. By the way, on Google Play, it currently has a 1.5 star rating. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Essentially, you're 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 required to download spyware. Um, and there there are people who look at this app, and it it, it will continuously uh, stream audio even when you're not talking on the phone. So basically, you, you're walking around. You turn your phone into a spy device, <sighs> and everything is just getting uploaded to Chinese servers. Wow! Wow! And there was uh, back during the Sochi uh, Winter Olympics yeah. uh, some years back. They were talking about how it came out that oh, that there were cameras in the uh, you know in the Olympic uh, in the athletes' rooms in the Olympic Village. Yeah. I tell you, I'm I'm sure what China's doing is going to make that look like amateur hour. So I like I mentioned our friends uh, who's back there competing. Well, our friends, um, and I know I'm I know I'm forgetting uh, a skater um, who's oh, Aaron Jackson. Aaron Jackson's competing. Oh, I got to tell that story. I'm telling that story in the personal note. That's a commitment. Aaron's in the Olympics because of her talent, her strength, her focus, but also because of a woman named Brittany Bow who gave up an opportunity to win a medal to welcome Aaron. Oh my goodness. I can't wait to tell that story. So Mike, um, you know, our friends got burner phones um, and they went back and said, okay, so we recognize this. We're going to use burner phones. Um, does the Chinese Communist Party ability to soak up and, and slurp up data, does it stop there if you just have a burner phone? Um, if you leave your personal device at home and take the burner, I mean, obviously the burner is going to end up being compromised, but then you can either, you know, when, when you get back to the U.S., you can either wipe it or just totally toss it, uh, which is probably the safest thing to do. Okay. Um, you don't want to have any data on there that Basically, anything you have on that phone, you have to put there with the understanding that China's going to get it. And and I think people need to understand this. When they get that, I mean, you could say, well, wait, why why does the Chinese Communist Party care about your talented skating friends, Todd? Why on earth would they care about that? China's not, they want all the data, right? I mean, they want to be able to connect everybody to everything. And and I would add, as we're talking about this, um, and I want to get to this, I'm not trying to be gross. I'm just saying they also brought back the anal swabs uh, because of the COVID flu. Um, so I think there's some other things they want to connect the dots on. But Mike, I can hear people saying, Todd, you, you, you know, big deal. There's some skaters back there. They've got burner phones but China wants to connect everybody to everything. I mean, what do they ultimately seek in, in having just gobs of data on every American? And they start connecting the dots, you know, an Olympic athlete, for example, okay, once they get back to the U S who are they going to meet? What are they going to do after the Olympics? Um, finding out, you know, on even just on a sporting uh, level, you know, what competitive advantage does the, uh, do American athletes have that China can steal, you know, and then incorporate into their own training, but then down the road, who is this person going to meet in business and politics? It's all connecting the dots. 
And they're always procuring. And what do you guys call it? Uh, well, not you guys, because you would never do such a thing. But you you would never go out and turn, you know, someone to be a, a source for the uh, the special forces. To No, no. You would never go procure sources. Uh, what do they call that? It's um, in, 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 you know, turning people into spies. Because Hunter Biden, and he's the son of the president, by the way. One of his main contacts in China was a guy who ran the spy the portion of the spy division that recruited people to be spies for China. Um, so a, what's that called? And B, does it mean that when they get this data, they start to court people and are just trying to build all these tentacles. So eventually this person's running a company and they've been, they've been compromised. Is that what they're seeking? Yeah, it's called uh, human intelligence or, um, the acronym human. Um, basically it's using, it's using people to obtain information. Um, it, it could be anything like that. Um, you know, they might, Hey, this, per, you know, let's bring you over to China after the games and put on a, uh, and put on a clinic for, for, our, uh, for our youth, you know, who, who are interested in your sport. Meanwhile, people from either, uh, China, uh, China's private industry or government start talking to these people, start cultivating a relationship. Um, and before you know it, you, you might be giving up more information than you want to, whether it's about, you know, about the U S Olympic committee, which, you know, a lot of the, you know, a lot of that is kind of close to all proprietary information on how they train, how they prepare. Um, eventually it can spill over into business and, you know, they'll use a, a variety of approaches. And this, this also happens in the business world and the academic world. And, and they know that the motivations that people have, um, in the intelligence world, they use the acronym MICE, M-I-C-E as, um, on how, People are convinced to, you know, either betray their companies, betray their country. Um, the M uh, stands for money. I is ideology. The C is uh, compromise or coercion, and E is ego. Basically, those all the uh, mice and compromises or encompasses the reasons that people will either be convinced to, uh, be forced to, um, give up secrets. Okay, so let's go through mice. Um, uh, let's start with M again. Remind me what M means. Money. All right, that's the easy part. Um, and again, I'll, I'll handle the politics. Uh, you be you. Be, you, be you. Um, and there's a link, by the way, to one of Mike's articles here in the show notes here and on Substack so you can get an idea of his point of view on intellectual property and what China's stealing there. And I think that's pretty easy. They bribe people, right? So uh, I guess if you're gathering data, you're paying attention to Olympic athletes, maybe you're paying attention to their coaches. Maybe you see that a coach has a problem and it's a gambling problem. And maybe, you, and, and once you get the data, the email, the social footprint, they're pretty sophisticated to be able to figure out, wow, this guy's a lot of pictures at casinos. I wonder if he's got a gambling problem. And if he does, they're going to go. And one of the approaches might be, Hey coach, come on, let us take care of that for you. Right. You don't need to be carrying this debt around. Is that, is it, that could be as, it could also be as simple as that. Um, hey, you know, you've got, you know, you've got something of value here. You can keep working where you're, you know, where you're working in the U S but, you know, come share some of that, uh, some of your talent, some of the, some of the information that you've developed. I mean, you created this, you know, intellectual property or whatever, you know, so it's in your head. It's really yours. We'll pay you to share that with us. You don't have to tell anyone back in America. 
but we'll we'll go ahead and pay you for you for your value. And that's when they say, and it's not doing anything wrong. You know, we live in open societies, you know, and information is meant to be shared and boom, and we're going to make it worth your while. And so then someone's listening to this. You just played ego. You didn't do ideology. You did money. And uh, I forgot, oh, coercion. So you get that and you, and you just went through all those except the coercion, but the coercion can come later and the coercion can be, Hey, you know, we paid you for this. You're doing this for us. Um, it'd be really awful if your, let's say, FBI or DOJ found out that you're actually working for the Chinese Communist Party. So we might need you to do some other things for us. It, 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 it could be something as, uh, as simple as the old-fashioned honey trap. Oh, really? So you mean like a congressman who sits on, let's say, uh, the Armed Forces Committee uh, dating a communist spy and, and probably not getting to sleep with her? Because, you know, he's, he's who he is and he has a, he passes gas a lot, et cetera. Not to be gross, but he does on TV. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll handle the politics, but you mean something like that. Something like that. I've heard of a case in, in the business world where a, um, um, an American businessman uh, uh, flew to uh, Bangkok to, uh, to meet with a company. I believe that was uh, connected with China. And, you know, after he, after he got there, you know, jet lag and everything goes to his hotel there's there's a uh, a soft knock at the door of his hotel room and when he opens it i can't remember if it's either one or two uh young thai ladies who said they were sent by the company to provide a massage <sighs> for him and he he lets them into the room without without thinking oh. a few minutes later there's a few minutes later there's a much louder knock at the door someone claimed to be a uh uh, plainclothes Thai police officer oh. who's uh, threatening to threatening to arrest him for having underage girls in the room, oh. and how it's going to it's going to destroy his career, destroy his family, um, be a, you know be an international embarrassment. However, there's a way out of it. You know, if you would if you would uh, cooperate with us, how that, that's the uh, that's the coercion slash compromise recruitment. How rampant is this um, in China? with, with visiting business people, you know, my, my, uh, I consider him a brother, um, goes over there or used to a lot from Microsoft and, and, um, they give them all sorts of warnings up to and including, by the way, if you're taken captive, we may not come and get you, um, which is always a nice feeling. So how rampant is this, um, with people visiting China? Like, um, are those ops going on now? I guess I'll ask it that way. Like, is this a full court press moment with the Olympics over there? Because you've got media executives, you've got these advertising suites where you've got chief marketing officers of, of American companies. So this is like a full course or full court press moment. I think. It's um, it's a, it's a windfall opportunity, um, for China, for, um, for the Chinese Communist Party and for Chinese industry, who may be doing this independently of the government or in cooperation, um, you know, there'll be uh, things I've seen myself in Hong Kong going to a very expensive hotel in the in the hotel bar where either uh, international guests who are staying at the hotel or other people are coming and meeting down there, and you know everybody's got their uh, super expensive cocktails. Yep. And, you know, glasses of champagne. Yep. And yeah, at the corner, corner of the bar is a uh, very attractive blonde woman who will just sit there for hours and hours drinking nothing but tea. You know, when she speaks, she has a, she speaks good English with a bit of a Russian accent. 
and she's there doing her business, but her business might, you know, which you can obviously guess what that is, yep. but there's very likely an information component to that business. <sighs> wow. Uh, I want to so ask, it's, it's per, it's, it is pervasive. Yeah. Uh, and you know, people don't have any idea. Uh, when I was uh, on an airplane once I watched a guy um, well, I'll give you a better story. A friend of mine was, uh, his dad was with the CIA, Mike, for years. Um, so my friend's been raised around sort of, you know, trade craft and, and he was on an airplane and he was with Microsoft. He sat one seat behind a Google executive, executive to executive. The Google executive bought himself a great big laptop with a beautiful big screen. And just for fun, Cyrus sat there taking pictures of it with his cell phone. And, and had everything. And, 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 and he's an honest man. So he would never, ever steal. Um, he, he said, Hey, colleague to colleague, can I show you something? And he showed him his phone and the guy just went white in the face. What are you going to do with that? He goes, I'm going to delete it. I'm going to delete it. I work for a competitor, but I would never do this, but, but you need to know that there could be like an actual spy on this airplane and they would do something with it. Mike, hold on a second. I want to, I want to take that thought and extend it a little bit, but, and I do want to talk about this, um, the DNA and the anal swabs. I'm not kidding. And I'm not trying to be gross. I just think it's important that we cover that. Michael Walker's with us, AOC security, retired special forces, green beret guys. Thank you for supporting Alan soaps. I've got some people a little bit confused. John is the owner. He started the company. His son, Alan, is the inspiration for the company. And it's Allison's, or Alan's artisan. Don't say artesian. Artesian's a better word, but nonetheless. It's Alan's artisan soaps. And the, the genesis of this company was my friend John had his son, Alan, who is pretty profoundly affected um, um, on, on the autism spectrum and a hardworking young man goes to school, does his homework and, and is profoundly inf- uh, uh, affected by this. That was the genesis. It, Alan's soaps was created so that Alan has the dignity of work. That's the feel good portion of this. And it's true. And I have pictures. I'll post, I'll post on Substack a picture of Alan working on the soap uh, deliveries for this audience. It's, it's remarkable. That's the feel good portion. The product portion is this. Um, John's a marketer. He wants a product that you love. So he searched the nation for who's the soap expert. Who, who's been making soap in this country for years in the United States. He found his soap making partner. And what they've created is all natural ingredients, very, very unique scents, and they're not overwhelming. And there's a variety of them and a variety of packages you can buy. And when you do this, you are helping a company that was founded upon helping other young men and women have the dignity of work. So it's a feel good. It's a do good. It's a great product. Everybody I've talked to that's bought it loves it. And there's a special right now this month. You go to allenssoaps.com, A-L-A-N-S soaps.com. At the checkout, you use my name as the code word, T-O-D-D. And $1 from every bar sold goes to the Special Olympics this month, which is, it's another way to help people who've been told they have limits to find those limits and then break through them. And you get a great soap. So go to allensoaps.com. That's allensoaps.com. Michael Rourke is with me. Mike, um, I, wow, this is sort of a weird transition. We're talking about, you know, cleansing your body with Allen Soaps. Uh, and then this, they, they announced the Chinese Communist Party is, hey, we need to stick things in people's um, 
you know, bottoms again, uh, Q-tups. And this is the, this is the, this is my tech mind here, Mike. Let's see, we're in the era of the mRNA injection, uh, where we now know that governments worldwide will force people to take these injections. We are dealing with the Chinese Communist Party who wants data on everybody. And gosh, would they ever take someone's DNA um, and attach it to their person and, and their, their digital presence and then start to amass groups of people for whom they could say, oh, I don't know, create targeted biological weapons. I mean, that would that would elude them. I mean, this is a, a country, after all, the Chinese Communist Party is putting pig wombs in men um, and interspersing pig genes into to human hearts. They would never go so far as to create um, perfectly tailored biological weapons for certain groups of people, would they? Well, if they uh, if they are planning to do that, uh, they've got a great opportunity to collect a lot of DNA. Um, and there's a variety of reasons, you know, you can use DNA, whether you provide, you know, getting health profiles on people or just getting ways to identify. Um, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure Iran has my DNA because uh, last time I went into Iraq, we had to, uh, you had to give a blood sample for a, uh, for a HIV test in order to uh, be, able, you know, to get a visa yeah. to work in the country. And, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, the uh, current Iraqi government is a wholly owned subsidiary of, uh, of Iran. So I'm sure that data has been shared. So China could certainly do the same thing under the guise of, uh, you know, protecting the country. Uh, protecting the country that originated uh, COVID from COVID by getting DNA of foreigners. Yeah, um, that that does not make me feel good. I would also point out that a lot of these DNA gathering firms ultimately send that DNA to China uh, because they're buying it. They want that data too. Um, let me shift gears because you've been so helpful on this and you've done so many things that that normal people don't do. Um, and that, that only heroes do. And I know don't say, don't say hero. I get to say hero. I get to, it's my decision. Um, I want to ask you a question about tradecraft and because you go over, you help American companies stay safe. You, you do security assessments, you keep executives safe. Um, you know, you've, you've, uh, you've assessed, me as a, you know, wow. Okay. So maybe you have a little bit of situational awareness, Todd, but maybe not as much as you need. Um, I want to ask you about tradecraft when you're in China and you see the handlers of the Chinese communist party, like you are very, very skilled at being a gray man and doing what you do. But have you ever had a moment where you're over there where you're like, okay, this guy just made me. I've had, uh, had moments where it looks like, uh, uh, either I or members of my team um, might have been under surveillance. Yeah. Do, do, do you guys like, because do you, do you guys ever, I, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, um, does an operative know an operative? Like, have you ever been in that circumstance where you're in a room and, and you're looking at a dude, you're like, yeah, he's, he's an operative. Um, in, in some cases, yes. Um, you can tell it. If you're, if you're switched on situational, situationally, um, you can tell when someone else is situationally aware. The uh, the idea is that when you're good at it is to not look like you're switched on when you're really switched on. Um, you know, you, you want to appear as benign as possible. You never want to, you never want to burn surveillance, you know, especially if it's potentially state sponsored, because then they can make your life really uncomfortable. You um, never want to burn. You know, like in, what's what's in, that mean? What's that mean? You never want to burn state surveillance. What's that mean? 
Um, burning surveillance means, you know, you be, it's obvious that you're tail aware that you, that you say, uh. you know, they're watching you, but you don't want them to know that you see them and you just want to be able to carry on your normal activities. Um, if you've done it well, if, if you're well-trained, you can execute counter surveillance without looking like you're doing it. And that, that's the real key. And that's why um, business people who, you know, want to, Hey, do I search my room for cameras? Do I, you know, what do I do? Do I do a bunch of left-hand turns, you know, whether walking or driving to make sure I'm not being followed. And, you know, we kind of say, okay, leave that stuff to the professionals because if you're, if you're, unless you're really good at it and we, and we, you know, we, we train people in it. Um, but you have to reach a certain level of proficiency before you try to really execute that at a, uh, against a state actor. Man, it's, it's complex. And, you know, I'm brought to mind of a poker game. You don't, you'd never want to let a person know what cards you have. I mean, that's the simple explanation. Uh, but you guys, uh, live this life. Uh, let me ask a closing question for you. Um, in, in day-to-day life, uh, in, in day-to-day life, what are the things that you would advise people to do in the cities that in my judgment are being purposely destroyed? I think Seattle is being murdered. Uh, Chicago. Um, we see these smashing grabs. I just watched this video the other night of uh, an attempted carjacking. It looked to me like it was in Las Vegas. It was on a freeway entrance and, and this car stopped in front of this truck and, and, and the driver stayed in the car. Three people got out and produced pistols pointing it at the truck driver and he started to back up and then thought better of it and move forward, smashed the car, drove it a couple hundred yards off the, the freeway um, entrance where he'd been, you know, sort of trapped and drove on his way. And, and then I guess pulled over to call the cops. But that's that's a big example. But it's not uncommon now. Carjackings are happening all the time, particularly in Chicago. It's been horrible. It's increasing in San Francisco how do you just advise just listeners to the show? What does situational awareness mean um, in cities like that to you, Mike? Well, it's, it's funny you bring that up because for the first time in our company's 13 year history um, and, and due exactly to the increase in uh, crime and violent crime that uh, for the first time we're, we're starting to adapt our situational awareness training that we've only given to private clients before. We're starting to adapt that to the, uh, to the general public and we'll probably start presenting that in the next, uh, in the next several weeks. Um, one, one of the main things is like situational awareness is being aware of your surroundings, but it's a little more complex. You have to understand, you know, the, the mental process that goes into it, but some simple things you can do is, uh, what we did in, uh, in combat zones is, um, you know, before you get out of, uh, you know, your armored vehicle, you scan five five meters or five yards around your vehicle looking for signs of IEDs, and then you scan out 25 yards. You can do that same thing when you pull into a gas station. Before you before you get out, before you unlock that door, do that five-yard and 25-yard scan around you looking for things that are in place. You can, you can often tell when there's a predator around just by the way they look at you, the way they act. And, and that's, no, that's one reason why uh, you should never let your uh, gas tank get below half empty because if, if you have that much gas, you can decide where you're going to get gas. If you, if all of a sudden you're running on fumes, you may have to pull into the next gas station. It might not be in an area where you want to be. Yeah. That's great advice. Um, as simple as that. Yeah. yeah. Look, looking at the situation awareness, you know, I, when I teach people uh, situation awareness, I have one simple goal. 
I want to change the way they see the world for the rest of their lives. <laughs> One simple goal. I love that. Yeah. You know, um, uh, having hung out with you a bit, uh, it is really impressive the things you see um, that other people don't see. And, and I, you know, the first time I met you, I was, I'd pulled in and you gave me points for, for, for park and combat style, getting there early, but I'm sitting there thinking, where's this guy? And all of a sudden there's a knock, there's a knock on my window. Oh, <laughs> If he wanted to cap me, well, what do you know? Uh, a, a special forces army ranger gray man snuck up on the old man. Um, but that's okay. It was a friendly uh, well, Hey, When that training comes about, let us know. Uh, we'd love to be able to help you promote it. And I'm so thankful for your time and, and uh, so glad that you're home with us. And, and uh, anytime I'm with you um, and your brothers and sisters, I just think about the ones who aren't home with us and, um, I just, um, I'm so very thankful for you and what you're doing. Thanks for sharing us uh, with us, the, uh, the knowledge about China too. Appreciate you very much, Mike. Thank you, Todd. It's always good to be with you. Right, go with God's good grace. And that's why I just, man, it's, it's a fun life. I mean, I'll tell you one day how I met Mike and friendship we developed over the years. It's just an honor to know folks like that. Incidentally, we have a big announcement coming up with a new advertiser that if you like that segment with Mike, you're going to love this. Things are starting to build in momentum and we have our meeting coming up on the subscription product. You guys provided us a whole bunch of feedback on that. If you want to be in the know on that, please subscribe to my Substack. It's in the show notes. We're going to announce what the subscription product will contain. One of the things, and I got to give credit to my daughter, she had this idea of, Go get your most cringeworthy, you know, radio segments from back in the day and put those up. So, in fact, I have gone back to the 1993-1994 version of the Todd Herman Show. And I'm grabbing, I'm trying to find the tape of the show that put me into professional talk radio. Professional meaning um, getting paid because I started talk radio eating what I killed, right? Which, which was just revenue sharing with my dear, dear friend, Tom Cock with Sound Investing, such a, such a brilliant man. And then getting recruited by the great Brian Jennings, who started, he did, he started conservative talk radio at 570 KVI in Seattle, Brian Jennings. Um, I should try to get Brian on to talk about the history of talk radio. But in any case, um, that's, that's how to be in the know. And so we're going to have the archives of my most cringeworthy and frankly, some interesting shows too. I, I'm hoping I can find the program where Tom Foley's people came on to commit political suicide for him. By, by, by finally coming on my show. And it was a heads I win, tails they lose circumstance because I had the goods on Foley. And I've told that story before, but I wish you could have seen the look on the face of his operative when I played the tape of Tom Foley saying, um, of Tom Foley in Washington, D.C. at the Gridiron Dinner, which is where the elites laugh at everybody. Foley saying, now, people ask me about my $175,000 per year salary, and, and they ask, is that uh, commensurate uh, with the people you represent? And, and, uh, and I tell them, yes, I, I tell them uh, it is commensurate with, uh, with the people I represent, uh, unless, of course, you uh, count the <laughs> uh, uh, Johnny New Do-Nothings and uh, Whitey Lunch Buckets who make up uh, about 60% of <laughs> who I represent. I got big laughs. And when I played that for uh, Tom Foley's political operative, he, his exact response live on the radio was, he said, uh, where'd you get that? 
I said, uh, that's your response because you're not supposed to have that. I go, and yet I do. And he said, that's illegal. I said, not for me because I didn't record it. That was it. You're supposed to be on for an hour and he walked out of there in like 11 minutes. And here's the crazy part. We'd promoted this because it was such a big deal that Foley wouldn't face me. He was, he was, he should have just come on and just attacked me. Who are you? You're a community college dropout. Why am I here with you? Look at this little tiny radio station. I'm here because you're my constituent. That's why son, let me educate you about it. It would have been really hard if he just attacked me. Oh, I would have, you know, with the help of God, defeated him in that. But I mean, that should have been his approach, but instead he cowered. And so we got to promote the fact that this guy was coming on and I shared with the media in advance, guys, here's the text of the audio I will produce of Tom Foley saying these things. Oh, and you know what was fun? It was just enormous fun to watch the media in Spokane have to give me credit for that. Because I said, if you run the audio, here's what you do. So they had to say, a local radio host, Todd Herman of AM 1230 KSBN, uh, show airs 9 to 11, produced the following audio of Speaker Tom Foley from the Gridiron Dinner. And then they ran that. And then again, again, that's local radio. And everybody did that. But I think that, as I recall, the spokesman review mentioned a tape and some remarks and, but did, (laughs) oh, good memory. So I'll see if I can find that. Um, I'll see if I can find the time an officer who decided to, uh, to rape a 15 year old girl he had arrested. He decided on the way, taking her home to pull over and, and commit statutory rape um, that, that he called and threatened to kill me on the air. I'll see if I can find that. And then, um, the calls from his fellow officers who hated him when one of them called the show and said, hey, we're outside. That guy's not killing anybody. Todd, look out your door. And we were surrounded by the by the blue who came to take our backs, had our six. I'll see if I can find that. And then the Salt Lake City days, which was as me trying to be wild. And you want cringeworthy. But I will tell you this. If I can find it, there's a phone call from the woman who became my wife on that. If, and if I can find it, uh, that'll be in the archives. In any case, that's in the planning stages. Uh, no, it's not. It's in the execution stages because I'm getting the tapes um, digitized. So if you want to be in the know on that, best way to do that is to get to the Substack page. There's a link in the show notes. Subscribe there. And we'll take care of that for you and for us as we build the subscription product. One other thing you can do is share this show with friends. Um, And really, if you just have a show that you have that's very, very much your favorite, if you email that to people, that's how the show grows. We've had enormous growth, 64% growth. I'll, I'll share with you our goal. I will tell you this. Our goal is audacious. It's to grow by 100 times. That is our goal, to grow the listenership of this podcast 100 times what it is now. God has delivered magnificently, um, as he always does. And our hope is he continues to do that. Part of that is asking you for that help to share it with 10 friends and don't stop at 10, right? And and help us grow this thing. You, I think the best way to do that is to take your favorite show and share it with friends. So we just talked about the Olympics with Michael Rourke. We just talked about China. And I want to tell you about something that happened in the Olympics that you wouldn't know uh, unless you know. And this didn't surprise me when I read it, because on a personal note, there are people who never stop giving. 
And folks who've listened to the show for a while know that we spend a lot of time in the speed skating world. And mixed emotions, honestly, it was a great time. And then there's some things that happened that weren't great, but that had nothing to do with our team, nothing to do with the community. It didn't. It was a great community. Saw this picture of an athlete named Aaron Jackson. And I remember Aaron when she was a young woman who was a speed skater on wheels. And listen, I'm not kidding you. you go watch a speed skating event sometime. Um, if you if you see the there's uh, the NSC National Speed Skating uh, Group. If they're ever in your community, go watch. It is mind blowing how exciting these races are. So I'm, I'm I saw this and I saw that Aaron had qualified for the Olympic team. And Aaron was a, a young woman who had skated on wheels, who was a phenom and suddenly decided to switch to ice skating. And she made the Olympic team her first time out. And, and she was so cool because she shared the videos of her ice skating for the first time ever. And she had won countless, you know, national championships and world championships on wheels. And she was, she was bold enough to share videos of her goofing like it was it was embarrassing because you'd think she'd go out and conquer this and she was laughing and and had this brilliant great attitude well that was the first few times she was on ice about the fifth time nobody's laughing anymore such a talented and focused athlete and so in this time around here's here's her facebook post about making the olympic team and in this picture there's a picture u.s olympic team qualified and there's aaron and she's killing it in her uh, speed skating suit there's a picture of aaron then with Brittany bow standing next to each other Brittany is a legend in speed skating both on wheels and on ice listen to what aaron wrote Definitely not the way I imagined qualifying for my second Olympic team, but I guess I had to one-up my story from the 2018 trials. I'm incredibly grateful and humbled by the kindness of Brittany Bow in helping me to secure a chance at reaching my goals in Beijing 2022. She's an amazing friend, teammate, and mentor, and this is an act I'll never forget. You can bet I'll be the loudest voice in the Oval cheering for her in the 1,000 and 1,500 next month, that is this month, the short story for anyone who might not have uh, been following along, I went into the U.S. Olympic trials as the number one in the World Cup season rankings for the 500-meter distance. I almost fell in the qualifying race and ended up finishing third, which is one spot short of Olympic qualification. Brittany, who won the race, declined her position to be in the 500-meter to open up a spot for me and the team. She will still compete in her other two distances. Brittany did this for her friend and a young woman she's mentored. I don't know how many Olympics Brittany's been to, but I think it's five or six. She did this for Aaron. Because of the climate the party has created, I will tell people who don't know, Aaron is a black woman and Brittany is a white woman. And they love each other as friends, mentors, mentee. See, some people never stop giving. And it doesn't surprise me that Brittany Bowe did this. And it doesn't surprise me that Aaron recognized it. Because of the team we were on, well, I wasn't, my daughter was, we got to be around these human beings. And there was a time at a race in Tacoma where my daughter's teammate made a very bad decision 
and pancaked my daughter. So she did a Superman, flew through the air, smacked the floor hard. And as a dad, it was really hard to watch. And she jumped up. And she sprinted to regain a position in the top three in like a, I think it was a four lap race. I could not, because it was the first, yes, it was. It was a four lap race. No, it wouldn't have been. It would have been 500, it's a 500 meter. So um, she regained a, a second place position after being lapped. I didn't know my daughter could do that. And who skates over? Because they had the professional skating league, skating league there, but Aaron Jackson, she didn't need to do this. She was a legend in the sport. She skates over to my, and she's looking around. She sees my daughter. She goes, oh, hey, 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 were, were you the one who Supermaned out there? And my daughter said, yeah. She said, that was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. A, that was a sick wreck. B, you, you got back. Wow, I got to have a high five from you. You know what that meant? She didn't need to do that. Why did she do that? Because Brittany Bow. See, Brittany Bow, this 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 woman continues to give back to her sport that where she began on wheels. And I'll tell you, we also had an occasion to get to know Brittany a little bit. We were at an event where they put on a clinic, the NSC, which is the the speed skating league on wheels. Again, I guarantee you, you go watch an NSC, NSC event, blow your mind how cool the sport is. And so Brittany was part of the clinic. There was a guy in there I've mentioned. He's also in the Olympics, Joey Montia. We got to be around these people and they're genuinely good human beings. And Brittany took a liking to my daughter and worked with her all day. And one of my daughter's challenges, as a lot of kids were, was self-confidence. And Brittany taught her something. And it was something I tried to communicate to her, but hey, I'm just dad. I don't know skating. Brittany told her something in that event. It was a two day, all day long, and it was hard work. But she came away saying, she's so nice. And she said, does she still skate? I said, wait a minute, did Brittany not tell you who she is? No, I thought she was just a coach. Honey, she's an Olympic gold medalist multiple times. She is? Yes, she's won Olympic gold medals multiple times. She's won probably 30 world championships on wheels. Why didn't she tell me that? Because she was there for you. So one day we're at my daughter's first ever Six, not, not, I shouldn't say successful, but the first time she meddled in a regionals and I'm watching her skate and she's in fourth place. Third place is the medal. I watch her go around. It's a pretty lengthy race. And all of a sudden she passed. And after that, she worked up to second place and I'm watching her and she's looking at the girl in front of her and all of a sudden she passed. And she got up Won that race, which put her on the, on the podium. And I, I talked to her, I'm so proud of you, your hard work and, and your focus and your bravery. And I want to ask you a question. I saw you come up behind Tina, the first pass you made, and I saw you waited a little while. Why was that? I'm just curious. And she said, oh, well, Brittany Bowe taught me that, Dad. Oh, really? Yeah, Brittany told me. Hey, a long race. Take your time. Wait till someone makes a mistake. Don't, don't, expend, don't expend effort. 
Wait until there's a little shake in their, in their form. Take them then. She gave her that. But here's who Brittany really is. And this was the next year. My daughter and her friends were skating in a relay. No, no, I take that back. It was not a relay. They were skating in, um, uh, they were, no, it was, it was a relay. They were skating in a relay. And my daughter skated last with, with friends of ours from other teams. Obviously you're competing. Two of those girls had been in the national championships and it won national championships, you know, a couple of times. And there's my daughter and she's right on them and riding them. And I could see her thinking about passing, but keeping Brittany's admonition in mind, don't expend energy. Just And she, she stayed right in the spot she needed to, to qualify for nationals. She stayed right there and it was a smart decision. Her coach came back later and said, that was a smart decision. I know you could have passed up in the second, but why? You had third, you held it, you didn't risk it with the fall. That was brilliant skating. Gave her great congratulations. They broke a world record that had existed for 15 years. And I think it was Paige who went across first and broke the world record or national record it was, I think. And my daughter and the second, uh, second and third place were right there with her. And also their time across the line broke this record. Set at that point, 15 years earlier by Brittany Bow. Guys, within 10 minutes, this Olympic champion, this medalist, sent a text to the organizers of that meet congratulating them on breaking her record. These were 10, 11-year-old girls, maybe 12, now 10, 11. And this woman, in her busy life, in her Olympic training, took time off, went to an A, knew this had happened, sent them a note congratulating them and later sent to the girl who actually went across the line first, sent her a medal. That's why Aaron Jackson skated over to my daughter and gave her what she did because she has been given this. We never know the lives we touch. When we act towards people the way God would have us act, love thy neighbor. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well. Be strong, be kind, and yes, be right with God.